0: Morning to those of you who are joining us online. It is a gorgeous day here. I saw we're hitting the uh, triple digits tomorrow, or is that today? I'm not sure. Today, we get there today. A low of 82. Lovely. This morning, we're going to... Part one of of a a message I'm calling Roots. Roots. And it fits well with the series that we're in called Being Me. Being Me is all about the the best me that I can be, the best me that you can be, is the me that God created you to be. Not the one that we think that we ought to be, but the one that he created us to be. And that's what this series is all about. You know, we all have roots, don't we? We all have ancestry this week I've been asking people about their roots and understanding our roots sometimes helps us to understand who we are helps us to understand why we do the things we do sometimes it's you know it's just what we've done we've always done it that way most people are interested in knowing their roots any anyone tried one of those DNA test things yep got a few here they can be interesting if you're online, let us know if you've done one of those DNA things. They can be very helpful. I mean, if you want to know health history, having one of those things can be very helpful. Sometimes the results can be surprising, though. I was reading through some, and man, there's a whole bunch of cases where people have done a DNA kit, and turns out dad's not dad. <laughs> I saw one, I can't remember if they were married or whether they were just dating. And uh, they did one of these things, turned out they were brother and sister. And they didn't know it. One had been adopted and it's like, whoa, I mean, what are, what are the chances? I mean, that's a surprise, isn't it? I mean, it, it can be interesting, but most people want to know to some degree or other what their roots are. You know, am I Scots, am I Irish, am I German, Nigerian, Vietnamese, Turkish, Spanish? What, what am I? What is my ancestry? For me, my dad's side, they're Spanish and English. And on my mum's side, it's English and Irish, to the best of my knowledge. The English and the Irish never really get on, so I beat myself up every night. My, as I should, thank you. Sanders' family is Welsh and Scottish on her mum's side and English and Russian Jew on her dad's side. Her dad's side of the family is kind of interesting. They came over to the UK as circus performers and uh, they actually ended up owning their own circus so that's a big part of her family that they were circus performers. In fact, her grandmother was the first woman to perform on the parallel bars. So yeah, it's pretty good. But roots, we all have them, right? And as Christians, as, as a faith family, we have a faith, f- faith roots, spiritual roots. Now, I want to talk about that today because most are somewhat familiar to some degrees with words like Israel, Israelite, Hebrew, Jewish, Gentile, but how all of those things kind of fit together sometimes can be a little bit fuzzy. So this morning, I want to talk about that. And, and then, so bear with me. It's a little bit like a classroom lesson here this morning. And then I kind of want to wrap it up with the why. And the why is the most important part of this. I mean, it's, it's fuzzy though, right? Hebrew. What's, what's a Hebrew? Now, a lot of people think that a Hebrew is, is referring, or Hebrews is referring to the guy that makes the tea or makes the coffee. Hebrews He brews. Boom. Let me first tell you what kind of got me into this. In my own study, I'm in Acts chapter 10, which is where the Gentiles received the good news of Jesus Christ. And I read through Acts chapter 10. I've read it many times. And it was one of those things. I read through it and I thought, wow. And I just felt God saying, read it again. And I read it again. And I just felt God saying, read it again. And I've been hung up on Acts chapter 10. And I got into a conversation with somebody and, and started talking about the very same thing. So I thought, okay, God, if you keep bringing this to my attention, you've you've got a reason for this. So we're going to get to Acts chapter 10 next week. But it's all about our roots. It's all about our spiritual heritage. So we're going to look at these words, Hebrew, Israel, Jewish, Gentile. And we're going to go in order of how they appear in the scriptures. Now, if you didn't get a sermon outline... And you want one? We got one over here. Anybody else need one? Just the one. There you go. He needs the exercise. So Jews, Gentiles, Hebrews, Israelites, where do they all fit the picture? In Genesis chapter 14, 13, it's the first of any of these words we see is the word Hebrew. And it's in reference to Abram. It says, Genesis fourteen thirty. but one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram, the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove belonging to Mamre of the Amorites. Mamre and his relatives, Eshkol and Anner were I, Abram's allies. Abram, the Hebrew. It's the first time we see the word in scripture. Hebrew means one from beyond. So Abram was in a country that was not his home country. He had gone to a place that God had told him to go, and he was a foreigner in that country. And they knew he was a foreigner, and and that was kind of like he's Abram, the one who's not from here. The one who is from beyond. God had already promised Abram that he would become famous and become the father of a great nation in the land where he was now living, Canaan. And the language that he spoke became known as Hebrew. So it was the language of the ones who come from beyond. It's not our language. His descendants became known as Hebrews, the ones from beyond, aka foreigners. So a little bit later in Genesis 17, God reaffirms his promise to Abraham and renames Abram and renames him Abraham. Abram means exalted father, like wonderful father. That's what I make my kids call me. <laughs> Abraham means father of a multitude. You're going to be a father of many. So this was the heritage that God had given him. There are roots forming right here. Abraham, the Hebrew. Now he had eight sons, but one of the sons, Isaac, becomes the benefactor of God's promise to Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation. And God makes the same promise to Isaac that he made to Abraham. You'll be the father of a great nation. Isaac has two sons, twins. One of them is Jacob he becomes the benefactor of the promise. So it's going through this line. And through Jacob, God's promise to Abraham that he would become a great nation is affirmed. If you go to Genesis chapter 35, it says, Now that Jacob had returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. God blessed him, saying, Your name is Jacob. But you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on... Your name will be Israel. So here's the beginning of the word Israel and Israelites. So God renamed him Israel. Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation. Even many nations, kings will be among your descendants. And I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. So here's the promise again. But his name has now been changed from Jacob to Israel. Israel means God prevails. God is going to overcome. And Jacob's descendants become known as the Israelites. They are the people from Israel. Israel wasn't a place. Israel was a person. They're of of Israel. They speak the language of their ancestor, Abraham, Hebrew. That's the language they speak, but now they are Israelites, and they are God's chosen people. So Jacob, a.k.a. Israel, he has 12 sons. They become the 12 tribes of Israel, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun. There's a son called Joseph. Most of you are familiar with him, but he does not become a tribe. Two of his children become half tribes. And that's Manasseh and Ephraim. And then Benjamin, in that order, that's from oldest to youngest. The fourth son, Judah, becomes the bearer of the promise. The Bible doesn't clearly explain Why it wasn't the first son, or the second son, or the third son. The fourth son, Judah, becomes the bearer of the promise. God's chosen line. We'll we'll see why in a minute. Now, here's where the term Jewish comes in. You know, we call people from Israel Jewish, right? They're Jews. It's simply from the name Judah. These are the people of Judah. They are the people of the clan of Judah. They are Jewish. So not all of these people, not all of these tribes are Jewish. Just the one tribe, the tribe of Judah. So it kind of raises a question. If there are only Jews and Gentiles, as, as we believe... Are all the other Israelites that are not of the tribe of Judah Gentiles? Because they're not Jewish. Only the tribe of Judah is Jewish. Now, to answer that question, we've got to kind of explore a little bit. Where did this word Gentile come from? What is Gentile? First comes up in the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy thirty-two, thirty-one, And this is God now talking about the Israelite people. They've been unfaithful. He's angry at them. It says, they have roused my jealousy by worshiping things that are not God. They have provoked my anger with their useless idols. Now I will rouse their jealousy through people who are not even a people. I will provoke their anger through the foolish Gentiles. It's the first time we see the word Gentile in the Bible. Gentile literally means nation. Gentiles, nations. So these are the people of the nations. And God is saying, I'm going to use the people who are not even a people. The foolish nations. The nations that are not you. So it's not the Hebrew word for a non-Jew. It's the Hebrew word for nation. Bear with me. It's just a little bit more on this stuff. And then we'll get to the better stuff. So how did all the Israelites become Jews and all the non-Israelites become Gentiles, as we understand it to be? All right, make a really long story short here, okay? All of Jacob's sons, all of those 12 tribes, moved down to, to Egypt, And there's a long story that goes with that, but it's partly due to a famine and there's some other things that go on. In Egypt, they become enslaved by the Egyptians. And they remain there for 400 years. Long time. During all of this time, they manage to maintain their tribal identities. Each tribe stays its tribe. Now, here's a funny little side note. What do you think the Egyptians called them? Hebrews. People from somewhere else. People from not here. So now they're both Israelite and Hebrew. They've got both names going on. God raises up a leader, Moses. Most of us know this story. Tells him, I'm going to deliver my people out of Egypt and I'm going to take them to the land that I promised Abraham, that I promised Isaac, that I promised Jacob, that I promised Judah. I'm going to take my people back to this land. Moses, you're going to take them back to the land. And during this time, God and Moses have a really close relationship and, and God gives Moses all the laws, all the covenants, all the promises and Moses writes them down. So we all know there's a long journey that goes on. They spend 40 years in the the wilderness before they get to the promised land. Eventually they get there. And with the power of God with them, they move into what used to be Canaan, push most of the people out, take the land and divide it up between the 12 tribes. It's actually 13. It's 11 and two half tribes. Jerusalem is the center and this is now the nation of, of Israel, promise fulfilled, but things start to go downhill. They decide they want a king, and God says, "I'm your king. What do you want a king for?" And they all look around and say, "But all these other people got kings. Why can't we have a king?" And God says, "I'm your king. You don't need a king. But we want a king. They got a king. We want a king." And God warns them. He says. I can give you a king, but if I put a king in place, he's a man and he's got human desires. He's going to lord it over you. He's going to take your stuff. He's going to take your money. He's going to make you work hard. And they all said, yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) So God raises up a king for them called Saul. Starts off pretty good, but Saul very quickly goes downhill. He goes off the tracks. And God raises up another king, David. David is a direct descendant of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah. So this is the same line there. And God makes a promise to David that kind of amplifies the promise to Abraham, takes it a little bit further. It's in 2 Samuel 7, 16. He says, your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time. And your throne will be secure forever. Now we know that David's not going to be on the front throne forever. He's dead. He died, right? He's buried now. So the Lord is referring here to David that of your line is going to be the promised savior. He is going to be in your line and he will reign forever. And if you look at The family tree of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, both are descendants of David. They kind of come around this way and they're both descendants of David. So, David's a king. He knows the heritage. David dies. His son Solomon is made king. All is well, all is great at first. Solomon is the wisest man who's ever lived. God blesses him, gives him riches He builds a temple for the Lord in Jerusalem. It's all looking good. This is the nation of Israel now. But Solomon goes off the rails at the end, way off the rails. And it causes conflict within his family. He dies, and then there's a struggle for power between the two of his sons, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam is the chosen line, but he's an idiot. He starts to work the people viciously hard. And the people rebel and say, we don't want him to be our king. He's not a nice king. And he says, I don't care. I'm going to be your king. And a bunch of the people say, no, we want Jeroboam as our king. Let's have Jeroboam as our king. And and the, and the, the nation is split. Ten tribes go to live in the north and two tribes go to live in the south. The ten tribes under the north under the name Israel, are ruled by Jeroboam. And the two tribes in the south, the little tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah, God's chosen line, all are ruled by Rehoboam under the name Judah. Benjamin is just a little tiny... It was unfortunate for Benjamin. They were a small clan, and they kind of got amalgamated into the tribe of Judah. So it becomes Judah. Now, they're all descendants of Israel. They are all technically Israelites, but the northern kingdom calls itself Israel and the southern kingdom calls itself Judah, which is oftentimes why you hear is this Israel or is it Judah? What one is it? Well, there were two nations. The north nation, long story short, they go way off the rails. They take on the the ways of the people that they displaced. They worship foreign gods. They sacrifice their children to these gods, all kinds of evil. And God warns them. He says, if you keep doing this, I'm going to lift my hand of blessing from you. And you'll be on your own and you'll be fodder for your enemies. And they keep doing it. So God lifts his hand. Enemies come in. They kind of beat them up a little bit. They cry out to the Lord. God, we're sorry. We really are. We didn't mean it. God rescues them. New king comes on the throne. It's good for a while. They slip back into their old ways. And we see this stupid cycle over and over and over. And it goes on for 200 years. And eventually God says, I'm done with you. If that's how it's going to be, I've warned you and I've warned you. I'm lifting my blessing upon you, off of you. You are now, I'm not protecting you any longer. And their enemies come in, destroy Israel, take all the people away, and they become assimilated into these other nations. What's the word for nation? Gentile. The ten tribes are lost. They're gone. Judah was a little more faithful, but still kind of followed the same cycle. About 140, 150 years after Israel is gone, God's fed up with Judah too. And he says, I'm lifting my hand of blessing off of you. Their enemies come in, destroy Jerusalem destroy the temple, take all the people away to go and live in a foreign country. But there's a difference because of the Lord's promise to David that there would always be someone on his throne. He keeps them together in this foreign land. They remain Judah. And after it's debatable 40, 50, 60, 70 years, they come back. They come back to the promised land. They rebuild the temple. They rebuild Jerusalem. But now it's only one tribe. What's the name of that tribe? Judah. So this is why we think of all the people in Israel as Jewish. Because they come from the tribe of Judah. All the other tribes are gone. They just got assimilated away. And you can look from there and you can see the lineage that goes all the way down to Jesus from there on. So that's the where and the when, all right? So maybe you know a little bit more about what's Israel, what's Jewish, what's a Gentile, what's a Hebrew. The most important thing of this is why. And this is where it gets interesting. Why did the Lord choose a special nation? Because it seems like he's playing favorites, right? All the nations are you. You're going to be my special nation. Why would a God who is all loving pick one nation and not all of the others? Well, it goes back to a promise that predates Abraham. When Adam and Eve sinned, they broke the special relationship that we had with God. He walked with his people at that time. But the Bible tells us that like God can't even look upon sin. And when Adam and Eve decided to sin, then death and disease and all of this brokenness that we now experience comes into creation. But it wasn't just Adam and Eve. There was somebody else involved. The serpent, Satan. He's there twisting truths. He's there tempting. We don't know how long conversations went on. We got a little brief conversation with him and, Eve and he causes this fall. So God makes a promise in Genesis three fifteen, and he's talking to the serpent. He says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So what he's saying to the serpent is her offspring is going to kill you. you. There'll be a bit of a fight and you'll hurt him, but you'll just hurt his heel. But he is going to crush your head. So there's a promise right here. And he's talking about Jesus Christ. There's a promise of redemption right at the fall. And that was God's word. That was God's promise. His word of redemption spoken at the beginning. Now, there are two important things here. Someone of her lineage will become the ancestor of the Lord. And they will also be the carriers, the protectors of the word. These will be God's special nation. Not because God is playing favorites, but because his plan for redemption will come through this line. I'm protecting this line. Jesus Christ is in this line. We're not losing this line of people. These are my people. They're special people. I've called them to be holy and Jesus Christ is going to come from them and I will protect it. That will happen so they're protected by God because the redeemer of the world Jesus will come through their lineage but second this lineage also will be the bearers of God's word he promises to redeem us how do we know about adam and eve Because his word was preserved and given to us. How do we know about Abraham? How do we know about Isaac? How do we know about Judah? How do we know about Joshua? How do we know about any of this thing? Because God protected his word. He entrusted it to a group of people. You are going to carry my word. You're going to carry my truth down through the nations. I'm going to protect your line because Jesus is coming from you. And through you, I'm going to protect my word. So that's why these people were a special people. Wasn't it they were any better than anybody else? But they were the lineage that was going to lead to Jesus. And it couldn't be anybody. And it couldn't be everybody. Because it just doesn't work that way. Adam and Eve had many, many descendants. Many nations come from them. But only one was God's chosen nation. They had three kids that are named in the Bible. They had lots of kids, but three that were named. Cain and Abel. We're the oldest two. The oldest one kills the next one. So he's out of the picture. The oldest one gets banished. And then they have a third one called Seth. And Seth becomes the chosen one that is going to carry this seed, going to carry this line. And you can follow his heritage down to Noah. God does a do-over at Noah. We talked about this last week. Noah's got three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They were told to go populate the world. Have at it, folks. But only one, Shem, was chosen to be the guardian of God's word and the lineage of the Lord. And God protects his line. He is a direct ancestor of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and all of the others down to Jesus. Here's how dedicated they were. To protecting God's word. The Gentiles, the people of the nations, before the Israelites were the Israelites, or were the Jewish people, they were known to the nations as the people of the word. That's who they are. Those are the people of the word. Those are the ones that have God's word, and they guard God's word. That was their name. Isn't that interesting? The people of the word. And at one point, you've heard of the Ark of the the Covenant. They put some of God's word in a big chest that was laid with gold. And they carried it with them wherever they went through the wilderness. They would set up camp. They would put this thing in the middle. And in the middle, inside of that, was God's promise. God's word. They carried it wherever they went. They had a group of people whose only job was to transcribe The words that Moses and the prophets had written. That was all they did. All day long is they wrote out the law and the prophets. And then somebody else would check the work. But they didn't check it by reading it. They would count it. They would count down. They they had a system. We're going to go down six lines and across ten letters. If that's not an A, there's something wrong. And we're going to go down another six line across 10 letters. And, And so there was a whole team of people that preserved God's word so that we would have it and we can trust it, that this is God's word. It started off with the oral tradition before we had letters. And as people became more sophisticated, then it got written down, beginning with Moses. God spoke with Moses, gave him the law, gave him the commandments, gave him the promises. He wrote it down. So why did the Lord choose a special people? To preserve the lineage of the Savior and to preserve his word. Exodus 19.6. He's talking to Moses. He says, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy people." Nation, this is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Now, ironically, in that passage of scripture, the word nation is Gentile. It's the Hebrew word for nation. You will be my holy Gentiles. It's interesting how some places it's translated as Gentile, some places it's translated as nation. stops it getting confusing, I guess. They were set apart to be carriers of the seed set apart to be carriers of the world all the way down to Jesus. Let me close this up with this. And then something wonderful happens. The seed and the word become one in Jesus. John one, one to five says in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God And he is the word. He is both combined. All of a sudden, the word comes alive. Down in verse 10, it says, He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. They had all of his scriptures, all of his word, the keepers of the law, and they missed that it was talking about Jesus. But this is very important. It's in your note. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory Of the father's one and only son. Those are our roots. Now I didn't get to the verse. It's in your outline. (laughs) Or in the bulletin. That'll be next week. Can we go back a verse? Thank you. But to all who believed him. And accepted him. He gave the right. To become children. Of God. How do you become a child of God who believed him and accepted him? It's not about how good you are. It's not about what religion you are. It's about whether you believed him and you accepted him. Believed what? That he was Jesus. That he was the son of God that he lived a perfect life. He was sinless that he died on the cross for our sins that he rose again. Do you believe that and accepted him? That means not only do I believe who Jesus is, Satan believes who Jesus is. He hasn't accepted him to accept him is to say, Jesus, I want your forgiveness. And I want you to be in my heart. I want you to come into. I accept you. And he says if you accept me. I accept you. I forgive you. I'll come in and live with you. And be with you. I'll put my Holy Spirit in you. And you can become. A child of God. It's got nothing to do with Judaism. It's got nothing to do with Gentile. And everything to do with the word that became flesh. And if you've never done that, it's so simple, isn't it? If you've never done that, you, you might be someone that says, well, I believe in Jesus. I sat in church for a long time. I believed in Jesus, but I never had accepted Jesus. And to accept him is to go to him and say, you know what? Jesus I need you. Please forgive my sin. Come into my life and change me. That's simple. And if you've never done that, you can pray that prayer. Jesus, I need you. Please forgive my sin. Come into my life and change me. And you know what he says? Yes. Yes. There is one more step to this story before this word becomes, not just the hope of the Jews, but the hope of the whole world. But that's next week. Okay. Acts chapter 10. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I'll give you thanks. I pray for, I know there's been a lot of teaching stuff here this morning. But I pray that we'll be a little more clear on on what a Hebrew is, what an Israelite is, what a Jewish person is, what a Gentile is. And, Father, we will see the importance of your people that you called out to be the bearers of your seed and to be the bearers of your word, to preserve it so that we have it here today. And, Father, I thank you that in Jesus that, that seed became a man and that word became a man. And that through Jesus to all who believe and accept we have life. We are reborn, as your word says. Not of human desire, but spiritually born again. And Father, I pray if there's anybody watching online, if there's anybody here today that has never taken that step, that today they would take that step and say, Jesus, I need you. Please forgive my sin. Come into my life and change me. Father, I know that if they are sincere, you are sincere, and you will do that. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In a minute, we're going to take up our offering. In the seat in front of you, you'll find three cards. One is a prayer request card. If you've got a prayer, just fill it out, write it out, drop it in the bag. One is an envelope for offering. If you want to give your offering in the envelope, you can give online. You could just put money in the bag if you want to, whatever way you choose to. But I ask that you would be faithful with your offering. And one is a communication card. If you're a guest visiting with us for the first time, or you've never filled out a communication card, please fill one out and drop it in the bag as it goes by so that we have a record of your visit. I promise you, we will not bug you. Just like to send you a letter. Thank you for your visit. And if you're someone who's sitting here today and you prayed that prayer, just fill out a card. Just put it on there. I prayed the prayer today because I will pray for you. Because the first thing that Satan wants to do is he wants to come and steal that back again and tell you that it's not real and you need an army of people praying for you. So fill out a card and put it in there. Can I have those come forward? Please, we're going to take up the offering. Oh, I had a bulletin and I've lost it. Can I get a bulletin? (laughs) Thank you. Let's pray for our offering and then we'll go through the uh, announcements. Father, I give you thanks. I thank you for each person that you've brought here today. Father, I thank you for um, any that might begin that journey. Father, if there's someone sitting here and they've got something going on in their lives and they want someone to pray for them, but they're maybe a little too shy to fill out a prayer request, I pray that you would just prompt them right now to just fill out one of those prayer requests so that we can be praying for them. And Father, I thank you for the faithfulness of our people. I thank you for this offering. I pray that you would multiply it for your purpose here at Lakeway. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we got a lot of stuff going on. Today, ladies, we have our second quarter birthday celebration that will be starting in, right after this service, I believe. Am I right? Who's in charge of that? Right after this service? Fellowship hall right across there, so just another four hours away. Um, we also have vacation Bible school training. Now, let me talk about vacation Bible school for a minute. This is coming up on July 17th to twenty-one. It is the biggest outreach we do at Lakeway in any year. We do a lot of outreach things. We do the toy run. We do the fall festival. We do all kinds of things. VBS is the biggest one. VBS is where we get most people that give their life to Jesus Christ. It comes through vacation Bible school. So I'm asking everybody to be a part of vacation Bible school. So there's something we're going to do a little different this year. Bob is in charge of a, a team, a welcome team that's going to be out there in the foyer when children arrive and parents arrive and when children are picked up. Because the parents are sitting out there, standing out there, waiting to bring their kids in. So I want a team of people out there welcoming them, smiling at them, telling them a little bit about Lakeway, so that if they don't have a home church, they can have a home church right here. And then we can minister to them. So we need people on that team. Bob is heading up that team. I need people to help out with dinner. Now, what I mean by that, you're not buying dinner. You're just organizing it when it gets here. So if that's something you can do, please let me know. We got three weeks before it starts. We need two more people on registration. Brandon is doing the pre-K. All the teachers that have kids, all the helpers that have kids that aren't in VBS, we take care of them. Right now, it's just Brandon, and, and I don't hold out much hope for him. <laughs> so if you're able to help with that, if you can come along each evening and just help him with the with the little ones, that would be really, really helpful. We need two crew leaders. We've talked about the welcome team. We need a hall walker. And if anybody is trained in first aid, we normally have a first aid person on hand. If you're trained in first aid and you can come Please let me know. So I've got this little clipboard here. If you could be part of that, I'm going to put it down here. You can come up and sign. Now, one more thing. This coming Friday, this coming Saturday, is the July 4th parade. And the theme is Texas. So you've got to have a theme about Texas. The theme of our VBS is. Stellar! <laughs> space! Is Texas not famous for space? I mean, this is the home of NASA. So we want to get a float together. We want to get a rocket ship on it. This is not, I'm not sure how this is going to look. I was given this today. Here's an astronaut, for you. astronaut suit for you, Pastor Mike. <laughs> so I'm going to be wearing a past, uh, uh, an astronaut suit. But we need to build the, f- the float on Friday. And then I need people on Saturday to walk along with the parade and hand out invitations to VBS. All right, so if you could be a part of that, please let me know. But I've got to know, if we don't have people, we can't do it. It's quite simple. But I really, really want to do this. I know it's kind of hot on Saturday morning. It starts at 11.30, but it's only like half an hour. And we can invite so many people and, and get people in these doors and tell them about Jesus. Is that not a good thing? Is that not a good thing? Yeah. Good. Whew, thought it was just me. All right, what else have we got going on? Lakeway Women's Ministry Retreat. This is back. This is down in September 29th. But, ladies, if you want to be part of that, out in the foyer, sign up in the foyer. Did I miss anything? Got everything? Look at the time, please. What time is it? I want credit for that. Let's pray. Oh and there's a vacation bible school meeting immediately following this in the kids way hall. Thank you sir. So, sorry. Ladies, if you want to go in there and eat, you can. But God is going to bless the ones that come to the VPS meeting. That's all I'm saying. All right? That's that, that's I'm just putting that out there. You choose what you want to do. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we can laugh and that we can smile. That's what church is supposed to be. I thank you for all these things that we've got coming up. I pray for Vacation Bible School, Father. I pray for lots of kids. I pray for lots of helpers. And I pray that your word gets into the heart of these children. We see little lives change. And we see families connected to you through this church. So, Father, I pray your blessing upon that, that that it would be more fruitful than we can even imagine that it would be. Father, I thank you for the the ladies' um, birthday celebration right now. Thank you for all the food you've provided. Please forgive the ladies that go there and don't go to the vacation Bible school thing. And I thank you for the meeting that's going on too. Father, may you bless each and every one that you've brought here. May you bless those who are watching online. But Father, may we not be selfish with your blessings. May we take your blessings into the world and be a blessing. To everyone we meet. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you all for coming.